RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio. All right, it's Wednesday morning. That's Legal Hub Morning. And this program on this radio show has become popular because you know what? The law is interesting and it can be entertaining. Who would have thought? And Katie Ashby Coppins joins me again, solo again. Nick Kearney, was he swanning himself somewhere on a Greek island, Katie? Is, is, is that where he's at at the moment? I thought he was eating gnocchi in um, Sicily oh, okay. uh, this morning when I got a message saying, uh, good luck with Legal Hub to, uh, oh. this morning. Um, I still think so- he could do a zoom in from there. I know he's on his holiday, but that'd be kind of cool. Oh, uh, look, you know what? You you reach out to him and see if he'll interrupt right. his holiday. Nick, I want you. <laughs> no, fair enough. We'll let him have his space and time. Anyway, good to see you back, Katie. Last <laughs> week was an interesting one. It really was. And it, it never gets dull. So we've got some um, uh, topics to talk about this morning, of course. And I think we're starting here with privacy concerns with the government using, what's this, Google Analytics? and other tracking tools when completing the census on time. It sounds like this is going to the next level. Yeah, and so um, uh, Google Analytics is an interesting uh, concept, and um, if you don't uh, know about it, it is essentially uh, information tracking. So it will be tracking your behaviour online um, on a particular website. It's, um, It's... utilized by um, businesses when they say they want to have uh, your behavior tracked on their website. So the government, in this case, and and you completing the census uh, form online, the government has said, Google Analytics, I give you permission to run the, your analysis of people's behavior online, what they're doing. Um, On the government website, on the the interface, census interface website. That's correct. That's correct. So I log on, um, I don't know about you, but sometimes they get easily distracted, so I'll fluff onto another page, and then Google Analytics will be essentially keeping that information and seeing, am I active on that website, um, on that website or not? Um, but it's also able to track a lot of information, uh, and you don't always know necessarily know what that information is. But essentially what the government has done in this case is if you log on to complete your census form online, and I know census is a hot topic for you, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, um, Google Analytics is there. Still haven't done the form. (laughs) Well, don't do it online. Um, Sorry to interrupt. but No, that's okay. And so they'll be analysing your behaviour and what you're doing online, but you also don't know what information they're collecting. Um, Can can I ask you this? Is there any... Um, you know, heads up from the website when you visit there saying your data will be tracked by Google Analytics and supplied to us. Is there, is there, any, is there any obvious heads up for that? Do we know? Um, I think that's what the cookies warning is about. Um, uh, okay. I w- I f- that's what my understanding, I'm not in IT and I wouldn't profess to okay. be certain about Let, that. Let's say the cookies thing is that. Yep. Pops, right. Possibly the cookies, but also you'll see at the bottom of, of most, of all websites is they're duty bound to mention, you know, and say how your information or personal information is being collected and used. Right. Um, but a lot of those sites just refer to um, third party analyzers um, and not necessarily, you, know, you again, you don't know what permissions they've been granted to, to collect and what information they've been permission, they've been granted permission to collect. So it's, um, it's, it's, Big unknown. It's it's big. Could, could we reverse, you know, with a little bit of 
thinking reverse engineer what are the likely items on that page that would be tracked. Yeah, I guess you need to assess what the um, the, the purposes of the tracking is. Um, so a lot of businesses, for example, um, review um, buyer behaviour um, um, so that they can you know, make sure that they've got enough stock of and equipment. Um, so if someone's hovering over um, a pair of uh, tights um, and, you know, they're really, a lot of people are hovering over that, um, they might interpret that behaviour as sufficient that the price is too high, so they lower the choose to lower the price and then you know, let everybody know essentially who was looking at them um, that the price is lower and then hopefully see an uptake. Um, it's, it's used in lots of different ways. Um, and again, we don't know. We've got um, Stats New Zealand saying, don't worry, you can trust us. Uh, but, you know, that's all wearing quite thin. And I, I think that if uh, Stats New Zealand are using Google Analytics, they are duty bound. Well, first reason, they shouldn't be using it. Um, it's your census form for crying out loud. You're giving very personal, private information. And also, if you're in it and you filled out the fields, they know that anyway. So, Correct, correct. Um, And, you know, under the Stats Act, um, Stats New Zealand, one of their duties and one of the purposes of the Act is to protect the interests of the people and organisations represented in or by the data um, that is used for the production of official statistics um, and for research. And, um, you know, do they need to know how long I might spend on answering, um, you know, my question on gender? they might have specified that that's what they wish to know. And that was a very hot topic um, at the time that the census form came out. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. Um, You know, why why do you need to know more than just what is filled out? Um, What we know about this census, and also the last census had problems too with with, um, the engagement, right? Uh, There's a very controversial question in this one that's, got a lot of people exercised do you do you do you think they've got a problem with the level of compliance and they're trying to figure out why this is and what identify potentially folk Uh, i don't know what i'm saying you kind of know where i'm going they seem to want to know more than they need to know is is really what i'm thinking yeah they're they're almost so if you think about the when you used to complete the census form by post, they would not have the luxury of knowing any of the information as to whether or not you hovered across question six uh, for longer than you needed to. Um, here they're suggesting that they're collecting the data for the purposes of making the interface for completing the census form better because they've got such appalling uptake. Um, but let's put this into perspective. Perhaps people just don't trust the government. And don't wish their personal information to be given over because the census form, of course, has your name, your address, people in your household, your salary, uh, your household salary, uh, how much you spend. Um, It's a very intrusive document and your name is on the front of it. It's not as if it's anonymous. Um, And perhaps if you did it in hard copy, it could be anonymized. But I think then again, you've also got tracking um, with uh, the, 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 information or the sticker on the front of the form so i think that you know if they're wanting to get better um 
if they're wanting to get better engagement on the census so that they can correctly find the right information, um, then they're going about it all the wrong way. Um, well, it seems to me that the problem is is bigger than just the way they go about it. it to me, it's that uh, you mentioned it before. There's been a possibly a collapse of trust, mm. and that's not an easy one to get around. No. And it's um and you know the ability to link information now and interdepartment linking and things like that, um you know I think I think people are genuinely concerned and if it's a protest not to complete your census form, uh, then it's certainly a protest. I was um particularly surprised um in the twenty eighteen census that only one in seven, um completed and returned their census forms and then this year we saw as at um close of census night only. Um, uh, two million or five million people having completed their census form. So, mm. I, I was very surprised about the lack of um, engagement um, and participation by by people. It makes a mockery of even the reason for a census with such disengagement. I mean, one in seven. Mm. I mean, how can you plan anything on that? The, the resolution of data just isn't there. I wouldn't have thought. No, um, it's really not there. It, it becomes useless because it's a, such a small portion. Hmm. Should there be some, I don't know, some kind of announcement or, or position given by uh, Stats NZ as to why they're doing this and, and kind of explain it, do you think? Uh, I think it has been put to them um, and they've sort of, made some um loose comments i think one of the comments was just trust us <laughs> um, oh really uh but you know uh, i haven't seen and i'm more than happy to have it pointed out to me you know detailed explanation given on the stats um, new zealand website as to why third party um uh, analytics systems are being used well not just that the most behavior. powerful analytics system probably on the face of the earth available outside of military correct and look knowledge is power um and having information is power um and so and completing your incenses form i can't imagine that a lot of people would have thought that um doing so online would have um uh, been tracked by uh, up to as many 10 up to as many as 10 different analytic analytics platforms so i mean that's pretty incredible does that mean people who sent it back in the mail, apart from, I guess, it being tracked through the mail system, I mean, you know, like you say, no one's measuring the hover time over, you know, with you sitting there with a pen at your desk, you know, deciding whether to fill out that field or not. No one's doing that. So there's an inconsistency here between those um, who, who fill it out online and the exposure of their information compared to those who use the mail system. Right. Is that, how can that be fair in any way? Well, it's not, but at this point in time, we've got the freedom to choose if we wish to con- um, complete the census, um, we can choose to do, or we could choose to do it um, by mail. And that's why a lot of people um, reached out and requested a census form and hard copy. Though, shouldn't it be fundamentally wired in, fair, before you even give people an option? That's what I would have thought, but that's just me. Okay. All right. So we really don't know what data is being tracked or what it, the intended use of it is 
once Google Analytics is analysed at the other end. Yeah, correct. So until you know what the information is that's being collected, um, you can't really understand uh, the purpose for its collection or, or what exactly it was about. And, and I would think that the government should wish to um, encourage participation, uh, be transparent on this, uh, have a full explanation, or you know what, don't use it in the first place. Unless you have a good reason to use it. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's a systems improvement, I'm sorry, there's enough um, website usage nowadays for people to know and understand. I don't mean for our benefit, Katie. <laughs> You know, All right. I walked into that one. No, no, no. And I should have been more clear. But, you know, some of that, uh, it's interesting because not just the, the actual um, core data, it's the metadata that sits around it too that can be used to build a picture. And sometimes things can be used actually as a, as a hook to get the metadata rather right. than, you know. So all this, you know, I, I'm betting the average person is unaware of this. Bless them. Absolutely, and 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 this is one of the most important things: is you know, we are willingly giving away our privacy rights all of the time, and we're giving them to big faceless giants, giving it them away to big faceless giants um, who have no um, uh, qualms with utilizing the information that you so willingly give up. Connected um, to governments, and, and and this is incredible that it is you know, connected to government in the case of the census, which contains a lot of personal and private information. So should we be, in your professional opinion, should we be a little sort of uncomfortable about this? I'm very uncomfortable about it. Okay. Good to know it's happening. At least we, we know it's happening and everyone you know it's happening now. All right. Another thing we've talked about the last few days, and people are aware of that um, – uh, request for proposal that the government's put out for some sort of disinformation kind of entity. And we all know that there's one just waiting in the wings, potentially. This is the Disinformation Project Tender. What do you have to say about that tender? Uh, well, um, it's oh, I, I, it, the, the mind boggles really over this. Um, first and foremost, I think it's um, Interesting that uh, they've put this up for uh, public tender, uh, particularly at a time when um, the uh, disinformation project uh, were um, the directors of the disinformation project were quite um, public in their concerns about um, the uh, slush fund having dried up from the public health response to COVID um, and not really having any work to do, um, and then searching things out through. Um, after the Posey Parker event and referring to all of you know this, this, this um, neo-Nazi liberal uh, tones, but not giving any examples because apparently it was just uh, too disturbing. Um, and excuse I think, me while I laugh. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Look, I, I just it, it feels very much like a, a stitch up, um, or they're they're lining their own or feathering their own nest. Um, because it reads very much like something that the disinformation project, no doubt, wrote um, uh, wrote themselves, and it just it's, it's incredible that you've got a government department. I think this tender was for four hundred fifty thousand. Four fifty k, yeah, and yeah. a few cents, yeah. 
And I don't think you can lose sight on the fact that, one, that's an enormous amount of money at a time when we are um, facing a, a, a living crisis. I'm sure that if you um, uh, asked people currently, uh, now that the pandemic is finished, um, and you know, mis and disinformation uh, words are uh, being used every time someone raises a question about the uh, response to the pandemic. Um, you know, what are your concerns now? I suspect that the security report upon which this um, uh, disinformation project uh, tender was supposedly created. I think you'll, you know, not having enough food in your mouth will be a uh, much larger um, national concern than. Um, this or misinformation. Um, so yeah, my, my point um, um, when we spoke to the Free Speech Union was it, that would buy quite a few hip replacements. Oh, enormous. Absolutely. It would also feed an, a, a significant number of people with um, food supplies such um, in, in such limited amounts at the moment um, or at such huge costs. You know, how, imagine subsid- being able to subsidise milk, bread and butter. Hmm. Healthy food, even. Mm. Um, do you think it's too over the top to think that this could be a Trojan horse exercise on behalf of them? And if we say that is a possibility and it kind of looks like it, then the government is involved in that. They're yeah. making it happen. Well, we can see the recent roles that um, uh, former Prime Minister Adern's being appointed to. Um, they they very much have these uh, censorship uh, flavors, um, and we've got this particular organisation. But do we need to spend four hundred fifty thousand dollars on a group to explain what mis and disinformation is when you could just have a media doing their job? And I think that that is you know so important. Exactly, uh, the what media I think. is yeah. not the media is not behaving as the media should. They're not keeping the government honest. Um, they have really um, uh, pandered, I think, to uh, where they're getting their pay checks from, uh, and that's big companies and and government. And you know, we're seeing um, a media that's behaving very much in a way that modicoddles the modicoddles the government and doesn't question them. And you're getting aware, you know, you're getting this sheer arrogance. Um, by the politicians, um, you know, when they're questioned about things, but barely questioned at all. Yeah, um, one thing I've experienced in, 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 you know, talking to people on this program and and stuff is whenever I might suggest, and I'm sure others have suggested it too, but, I, you know, in my personal experience of suggesting uh, or, or focusing on the media as the thing that is the broken bit here, let's say, no, no one seems to want to accept that and to try and correct that is seen as sort of control of the media, which is something we shouldn't do. But if you've got a broken media and that's the problem, then, I mean, simple, you, f- you try and fix the actual problem, but there doesn't seem to be any will to, to, to do that bit. And I'm sure we could figure out ways of reorientating back to correct behaviour you know, I mean, the ways and means of of doing that. But um, that's the last thing that, you know, the Free Speech Union or David Seymour or anyone wants to do when it's, to me, it's the obvious problem. Mm, mm, I agree. I don't get it. Yeah, the I think the 
description is is that the uh, media is acting like the fourth branch rather than the fourth estate. Yes. And, uh, previously, the media would keep governments in check um, and you wouldn't have a, a media that is solely bent to one particular p- political persuasion and you would do your job. I think the first duty of any media organisation is to, um, you know, report both sides. Um, if you're going to make criticisms of someone, get their feedback before you criticise them. We don't even have media doing that now because that's inconvenient and they they don't want to necessarily hear what the other side has to say because, you know, you can give them a name or, you know, it's disinformation. Um, I don't need to ask them. Um, you know, it's it's it really is an un... I just perceive this as a very... Uh, intended, you know, it, it's, it's yeah, unnecessary. It's just so know, incredibly unnecessary. Because you can see how this works. Okay, let's say you've got your disinformation project, whatever entity, if it's them or or someone else, it'll probably be kind of the same. So you come out with a finding. That goes to the media. It gets amplified because they're reporting it as, as if it comes from an official source. Suddenly it's got an official news or credible sound to it then it becomes yeah it's an amplified thing it it, it, ch- it changes form and then becomes something that it wasn't before and now you've got an issue out there that's sounding like a real issue like real news but the origin of it well it could even just be a fantasy in someone's head you know um that's re- that's really dangerous and as an uh, instrument of propaganda, it's perfect. Hmm. Hmm. You rely on this expert, this expert says this, um, expert in quote marks, um, and therefore, um, you know, it must be true. Yeah, and if you've got a doctor in front of the name or something like that and, um, you know, the, the credibility is assigned automatically by the time-poor person who's just scanning over the headlines a and you see that consistently all the time you build up a, a pattern of of uh, interpreting perceiving things i mean it's so obvious um i i just wonder if there's any need for this at all i know we're straying from the legal parts of it but um but the three-week time span of doing this too for such potential for effect let's say to ram something like this through in three weeks i mean how long does it take to put together a carefully I don't even think we should be going there in the first place, but a carefully thought out, um, you know, body that is interpreting mis and disinformation and what's true, what's not uh, at three weeks. You kidding me? Oh, it's a tight time frame. It really is. Um, and, you know, uh, that in itself could suggest a level of predetermination, um, pre-preparedness. Somebody might have um, had the had the jump been able to prepare it beforehand. I do think three weeks is a very tight time frame. Um, you know, the reason is that a tell? Is that a tell? Would you would you say that's a tell? Or could be a tell? In um in case law, um time frames are often a tell uh for predetermination and certainly uh, in the uh employment sphere if someone is terminated in a particular way and it's you know uh, uh, an incredible time frame or um, or no, just an incredible time frame. Let's stick with that. Then that can that can uh, predetermination of a decision can be inferred. 
Uh, does that leave it vulnerable to some sort of judicial review or later analysis? Uh, yes, I guess um, it could. Do you? I don't know. I've not even ever come across a judicial review of a, a government tender. Well, I mean, <laughs> sometimes there's a first for everything. Perhaps hadn't. Yeah, look, I haven't. I haven't. No, I didn't mean to issue. spring that on you. It just suddenly came into my head. No, it's um, it's very interesting. I mean, they might even be saying, "Oh, yeah, this is a separate, distinct." No, I don't know. I, yeah. I really can't answer that. Okay, all right. Well, let's. Uh, do you want to have a bet on, <laughs> on uh, who's going to get this? Is either going to be them or a version of them? Oh, look, I think they've probably invested. Uh, I think the this information project has spent a lot of time and um, and investment into. Uh, themselves as personalities and their organisation as um, a, a body of expertise. Um, I think it's a slam dunk. Okay. Um, I don't think we've, there's, there's any point putting uh, a bet on it. I think it's a, a slam dunk. Okay. I think you're right. All right. So we'll watch that, and I'm sure we'll be talking about that in future episodes of Legal Hub. On to this um, – other topic, and I think Nick might have talked about this mm. in an earlier program, and that is principles of the Treaty of Waitangi um, relating to lawyers discharging their duties. Mm. So we know, or we've got more to say about that now. Yeah, look, and um, most importantly, um, this is a really important issue, um, most of all because submissions close uh, in a week's time, so 31st of May 2023. And what the New Zealand Law Society has done, um, it has been an issue bubbling away for uh, some time. Um, oddly, it's um, uh, analysis or a report that arose out of um, sexual misbehaviour um, within the legal profession. And um, that misbehaviour, uh, you know, needing to have a review on the behaviour on the rules and uh, regulations around the Lawyers and Conveyances Act. So, um, lo and behold, somehow um, the suggestion came from New Zealand Law Society that the treaty uh, that that lawyers in discharging their duties to uphold the law should also be required to do so um, in accordance with the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi. Um, so, how how was the jump made from the, the the original thing you you mentioned, which I think we remember from what some years ago, five six years ago, might have been just a bit longer than that, hmm. to now this? How, how are the two related? Oh, look, I'm not sure that they they are, but here's an opportunity to 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 write about it and and make some comments, and um, there might be people that have particular persuasions that are. Um, involved in authoring the report um, that that want to see this in. I mean, the surveys that were done of the lawyers at the time overwhelmingly said they're not interested in this conclusion, this inclusion into the Lawyers and Conveyances Act. Um, it opens up a huge kettle of worms. It's similar to the issues we're talking about last week and other weeks with tikanga being a uh, Maori common law, uh, finding its way into interpretation. Um, I just don't know how you would begin to um, apply the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi to every situation that uh, you have with a client. Um, a lot of obligations as a lawyer are not often uh, 
written down, they're quite hard to articulate, but that's because we're guided ethically. First and foremost, our duty is to the court and then our client, um, and we're there to hold up, to uphold law. I don't quite know how we can then have this other duty imposed where it's not um, easily able to be articulated such that we can apply it to writing a will for um, uh, a 63-year-old lady who uh, you know, has just turned up and said, I need a will, and I've got one. I, how do I apply the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi to that? Um, do I ignore them and then potentially um, risk a breach? I don't know. Um, it's... Uh, it's I, I, I don't think... Good luck with that one. Gee. I don't know if fanciful is... Um, too strong a word, but it just seems really difficult. And I think Rodney's catching up with um, somebody on his show on uh, Thursday who will talk much, much more to this. But this, there is a huge can of worms um, or, yeah, a huge can of worms that could potentially be exposed if this comes into existence. And what is the legal fraternity? What's the chat on it? Well, surprisingly, there seems, well, those that are speaking up about it are uh, vehemently opposed, um, but so many lawyers just aren't doing anything. Um, and if I talk to other, and I have spoken to other lawyers, asking them what their views are about it, and there just seems a lack of engagement um, on the submissions. I think in, in our first show that we had, uh, Nick was talking about the, the lack of numbers actively participating in, yeah. in, in this process so that's alarming because you know those checks and balances like the select committees that we talk about um, with the government and appearing before those that's an important part of democracy and this seems like a pretty incredible um, law to be pushed in if it does come in with very little consideration um, about the practical realities of it. What are people asleep at the wheel or is it just too problematic sticking the old head up above the trench line? I don't. I think people are busy. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably first the first thing. Um, perhaps people might be fearful of being called racist um, or, or, or some such name. Um, but I think at the end of the day, people were just so busy. Um, okay. They probably don't know. Um, and, you know, don't take active enough interest. Uh, but look, it's been around for a while. It's not new. Uh, I do encourage anyone who who knows um, anyone in the legal fraternity to talk to them about it. And um, submissions close um, on the 31st, so seven days from today. All right. All right. We're winding up the legal hub for this week. Anything else that you want to mention? Anything else that's pressing? Oh, just one. I do try and keep up to date with um, various cases that are happening Um as of a week, so I can at least let people know. And one of the um, cases I'm always quite interested in keeping an eye on what's happening with the um, criminal um, charges that were pressed um, or the breaches of regulations that were pressed under the COVID Health Response Act. And um, really interesting, a, a gentleman uh, was accused of escaping um, uh, MIQ in 2020 um, to go and uh, buy toothpaste. Oh. And his his defence for his escape, because of course he returned to his room, uh, was that he was given permission by the security guard to go and buy toothpaste. Uh, so 
very interesting. Uh, court was called for the morning by the sound of it. And lo and behold, um, the police witness didn't turn up. So the case had to be dismissed. So very interesting. Um, no explanation has been given as to why the police witness, presumably the security guard who get, gave said permission, didn't turn up. Um, so just a real shame we don't get this case being trialed tried and tested um, and, and, and facts scrutinised um, and then findings of facts such that the judge can then give a determination on it. Do you think um, that was sort of in, in certain parties' interests to have the security card go AWOL? Yeah, look, I mean, these kinds of cases do create precedent um, and, you know, judge commentary on, on this kind of case could be particularly problematic. We're seeing um, in many countries around the world a lot of the criminal um, offences that were uh, handed out, uh, or sorry, the charges that were handed out um, over the lockdown periods actually being dismissed um, uh, in toto, so all of them being dismissed in one go. Um, so you've got to really wonder whether or not this is just another thing of avoiding the ego on the face. Um, yeah, that's it's it's kind of comical, really, isn't it? I mean, a guy wants a tube of toothpaste. He probably got teeth that he hadn't cleaned properly for I don't know how long, and some sort of MIQ dive. I don't know. Some of them were. All he wants to do is probably go over the road and get a tube of toothpaste. And next minute, neck minute, it's uh, it, it really says it all in a way. And it does that these all of these charges um, are, are being dismissed in, in such a um, carte blanche way. Um, you know. I would have at least got a pie and something else with the toothpaste to make it worthwhile. Well, we didn't get to hear his evidence, so we don't know exactly we what might have, yeah. He might have stocked <laughs> up on might. a whole lot of things. <laughs> Perhaps we should get him on. Let's find out who he is. <laughs> and what well, free tube of toothpaste, fella, if you want to come on. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. RCR toothpaste. <laughs> All right, Katie, thanks so much for coming in again uh, for another Legal much. Hub. We'll do it again next week uh, for a whole bunch uh, more cases and obviously things that we're following along the way as well. Until then, have a great week. Thanks so much, Paul. Have a lovely morning. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.